ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, <laughs> welcome back to the Wizard Spot episode five. five. Episode five, which will be named. We'll decide in the end. We'll probably read it in the title. As you know, our first segment is what we now call the bi-monthly profit, where we give you different updates related to the wizarding world and beyond. The news that I have for today is that the Harry Potter movies are back to the Peacock streaming service. For all of you Harry Potter fans that just want to binge them, unfortunately, the Wizarding World series are not all there. The ones that I'm referring to that are excluded are the Fantastic Beasts movies. But all eight Harry Potter movies are there. So have fun binging if you want to. All right, having said that, do you have any other news to add to my list? The day was a good day for me. <laughs> yeah. That's the good news. <laughs> That's good. That's always good. Are we ready to move into the core of our podcast, which is movie analysis? Let us do it. Let's remind everybody in the audience that we are still analyzing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which is the first movie in the series. Last time we left around minute 123. It's right after Hagrid, Ron, Hermione, and Harry are walking together. And Hagrid spills some beans about Nicolas Flamel. And then they start realizing that, you know, we need to know more about Nicolas Flamel. Sure. Because Fluffy, the three-headed dog, is guarding something that belongs to him. That has to do, that is related. That's how much they know but they don't know anything any further. And now we move on to the first scene that opens today's episode, which Oh, this scene makes me so angry. <laughs> Christmas scene. The Christmas scene makes me angry. Okay, it's like the Christmas scene, like the music is beautiful. It is amazing. The castle looks wonderful from the outside and very cozy on the inside. Let's focus on the only for now on the scene on the outside where yeah, Hagrid yeah, is yeah, pulling yeah. a Christmas tree in. In a school with... 1,000 students trained in magic where a first-year student can, like, do the levitation spell. Should I mention, in a life-or-death situation, there is no one (laughs) in this school who can perform a Wingardium Leviosa. So So Hagrid, sorry. So Hagrid could put the tree in. Crazy stuff. That is good. And that's a very good point you made. It's not good. It's horrible. (laughs) But let me try to see the other side of it, if I can. You know, in this day and age, we can still do a lot of things easy. For example, we can put up a fake tree for Christmas and do that every year. But people still go through the trouble of going, finding a tree, putting it up in their car, decorating it. So what I'm trying to say is that people don't take these shortcuts just because it's the process that makes it fun. Just like with the food, there are so many different kinds of food, like cookies that you can just go and buy in the store. They're ready. You can just put them in the oven or buy them baked and eat them. But it's the process of making them as a family together at Christmas that makes it fun. And maybe that's why Hagrid is doing it that way. It's a tradition. And that is that would be a fair point, right? But in the next scene, you see Flitwick, who is decorating the tree using Wingardium Leviosa because he cannot reach up high. Well, that so, makes perfect sense. He cannot reach up high, so he uses magic. Hagrid can just pull the tree, so he doesn't use magic. All right, all right. I can, I can live with that. It just, it just <laughs> makes me feel bad for Hagrid. You did make a good it. point. But, I but think, if he's enjoying it, I guess it's all right. And I think they did it such a way because they're just trying to, you know, show that everybody is in the Christmas spirit. And, of course, Hagrid being probably the most powerful among them all yeah, is left true. with the important task of securing a Christmas tree for the Great Hall. Which is beautiful. It is very beautiful. But the Christmas scene does not end here. Yeah. Unless you have something else no, to add. No, no, no. That's, that's uh, this episode basically has two major scenes. It's almost all Christmas, with a few exceptions anyway. Yeah. So the next scene is still Christmas. Like we said, a few days later, we see Flitwick decorating the tree and students getting ready to leave to go home for Christmas. And we find out that not only Harry, but Ron is also staying 
at Hogwarts because his parents are going to Romania to visit his brother, Charlie, who studies dragons there. Yeah. Uh, take it away. I have a few things to mention, but you go first. Uh, I I like this scene. It's, it's kind of cool. Uh, also, like, saddish, but also a little bit happy that Ron is staying there with Harry. And, like, on the other hand, Harry is perfectly fine staying you know, because he doesn't want to go back to the Dursleys, but on the other hand, the fact that Ron is staying with him and the Weasley brothers are there as well because their parents are visiting Romania, I think is really nice. One thing that I want to mention here, and this intrigued me from the time that I was little, is the chess, the the CGI in chess, that the CGI that they used for the chessboard is really good. It's really amazing that they just say it like knight to c4, and then you see the knight move. And then yeah. you see queen takes on c4, and then the queen just grabs her chair and just <laughs> smacks the knight. She has a personality, away. doesn't she? It's I, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> like that that is awesome. And they 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 held true to the books because in the books, like they drag pieces away from the board, like just just like in real world. So I thought that was amazing. It was. What do they do? Uh, what do you think they do when a game is over? Because in a normal chess game, when the game is over, you put every single piece together and you uh, put it away. But with pieces being barbarically, you know, destroyed like that during the game, you know, how do they... They probably repair them, you know, like... There's spell or like there may be like self repair, but at least that's how I have it in my head. That's good. And maybe like they keep them in separate boxes so they don't fight. <laughs> I don't think they have like a, that'd be fun, uh, actually. Yeah, I don't think they have a mind of their own. I did not think that, but <laughs> it seems like they do have a mind of their own once you tell them what to do for those few seconds in which they're moving, yeah. they can show some character. Yeah, that's that's fun. fair. Would you play Wizard's Chess? I mean, you're a big chess yes. player, but would you play it if yes. it was real? Yes, of course. Nice. Like I, and you could make such a board. And there are boards that use magnets, mm -hmm. and you tell them which piece is moving where, and like they'll move it in such a way, but it's not as smooth as it's not Harry Potter smooth. You know? Gotcha, gotcha. Um, the other thing that we hear in this scene that every now and then just gets my attention but it's nothing big really is that they don't say merry christmas happy they christmas. say happy christmas they'll say it over and over again in the next few scenes as well but i thought it was something worth mentioning uh another another thing in this scene is the development of character for for hermione kind of she goes from this person who would not break any rules to just saying huh we have checked the library but not the restriction the restricted section and then she just leaves and Ron is like oh we have had a bad influence we've been a bad influence on her and the good news about all this is that they didn't just put that line in there uh, Hermione was showing a few signs here and there even before reaching this point you know she for example said to Professor McGonagall and Snape that she was the one yeah who, you know, tried to go for the troll. She, you know, she lied and, uh, you know, she did not really go for the troll. She also put uh, Professor Snape's robe on fire trying to protect Harry. Again, the intentions are good, but these are actions that she would not normally do. And slowly they're having a, you know, impact on, on Maybe each other. Maybe she'll get a neck tattoo in the next <laughs> movie. We don't know. <laughs> Let's wait until we get there, I guess. <laughs> Anything else about this scene before we move on to the next Christmas scene? All right. So in this one, this next Christmas scene is the gift scene, right? Yeah, it's the scene in which Ron and Harry open gifts and Harry gets quite a few gifts more than usual. So this is one thing that I, I noticed. And I think this is a callback. This is the first time that I noticed this. And it is a callback to the first scene that we see Harry with the Dursleys. And it's like, Harry, Harry, wake up, wake up. And this time is Ron that is calling Harry to wake up and not Dudley. But it's the same call. But Good the point. situation has changed so much for the better now. Like at that point, Harry didn't have a family. 
was mistreated, was living under the cupboard, under in the cupboard, under the stairs, and now he has friends, he is playing Quidditch, he has some money, and he's receiving gifts, which he didn't before. Like, you can hear it in his voice when he's like, I have gifts, because he didn't expect yeah. anything. You make an excellent point. I did not think until you mentioned it that, you know, somebody wakes him up on Christmas morning, but it's not Dudley just trying to upset Harry. It's Ron. It's trying to, you know, tell him that he has presents. That's a very good point. I love yeah. that. Also, I'd like to give credit again and again to Chris Columbus, the director of this movie, as well as the next one, for doing such a great job at making Christmas scenes so magical yeah i know i've mentioned this before he's also the director of home alone one and two and if you have seen home alone one and two as many times as we have you will also know the similarities between harry potter one and two and home alone one and two uh, in home alone there is a scene where you know kevin uh, is reuniting with his family and there is this beautiful music in the background and they run and there's a christmas tree with presents around it and the music is beautiful and there's snow outside it's very well done very well done great job on those scenes chris columbus i would like to emphasize that in the book harry receives another present in addition to the two that he receives in the movie do you remember which one it is uh hagrid sends him something okay what about and hermione sends okay. him something and the Dursless sent him a sock. There you go. That's the one I was going to mention. I think it's a pair of socks. I think I it's either if... a sock or a sock a and a penny, or, a penny or something. I think like it might be a penny. Something really ridiculous, which I think introduces more questions than answers because, first of all, it didn't give us the impression of somebody who would even bother sending him something. Second, they try to refuse as much as they can to acknowledge the existence of the existence of the wizarding world. And yet, they send this letter with you addressing Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, Harry Potter? Like, how did, how was the letter delivered? Who mailed it to Hogwarts? That's what I want to know. Or the box. Maybe there, like, were a couple of owls hanging outside and just, like, waiting for a letter. Or Hedwig. Maybe Hedwig went to, like, you know, number four for a drive. And was Maybe. Like, I'm, I'm going to get something for Harry from you and if you don't give it to me i'm just gonna bother you until you do <laughs> i can't imagine though i can't imagine vernon saying i'm not giving anything to the bloody bird <laughs> but on the other hand i think it might be like kind of a program that they do with you know families like muggle families of wizards maybe like during christmas you know they send kind of like a service hey do you want to send something and, you know, and they felt pressure that I think that's what it is. That's what I'm going to keep in my mind. You know, they like send someone or some type of, you know, box, maybe like put something here for your child, yeah. you know, who is attending Hogwarts and they put a sock or a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's also acknowledge the fact that Harry receives a very, very warm gift. I mean, literally warm from molly weasley ron's mom which is a knitted sweater with the letter h on it just like all of the rest of her kids for christmas get a knitted sweater with the first letter of their name on it it just you know adds to what you mentioned before that finally harry has someone who he's met only for a few seconds really who knows that ron has this friend who is harry potter and she knows the story of harry potter obviously and uh, she's trying to fit in slowly into this almost uh, motherly, motherly figure yeah. in Harry's life. And I think it's very sweet. Uh, I think in the book, here it's an age. I think in the book, she sends him a snitch. Like the, the I wouldn't sweater be surprised. Has, a, has a snitch and Ron says, oh, look, mom thinks that you remember your own name, unlike us, because all their sweaters have their own names. Or not their initials, I should say. Yeah, and the saga of Molly Weasley treating yeah. Harry better than her kids begins. <laughs> <laughs> but there is another gift there, another special gift uh -oh, that what is keeps it? you warm. But that's not the only purpose of it. The invisibility. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to get to that. Yeah, they uh, did that so well. It's easy though, because you know you can even with not very good technology with 
green screens. You can do yeah. that very easily. But yes, they did a good job. What did you think about the design of the cloak? Well, it was good. Yeah, me I, too. Like it felt magical, kind of it heavy. Did. It did. Like the moon and stars. Mm -hmm. The only thing that makes me smile a little bit when I watch that scene is that Ron does his typical Ron thing, especially in the first two movies where he's like, whoa, I know what that is. That's an invisibility cloak. And right before they say this, they say two words. It's a cloak. And then Harry says, I'm invisible. And Ron says, it's an invisibility cloak. I know what it is. It's like, wow, really? Yeah, yeah Captain like, Obvious. <laughs> I know. And he does that a few more times. I thought that was just funny. Yeah, That's yeah. all, no big deal. All right, you've been comfortable so far. Are you and, ready for... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And the cloak, I was going to say, came from Dumbledore, right? It came from Dumbledore, yeah. in case you did not know. He has such good handwriting, that man. That I is... think his most, the best magical powers that he has... <laughs> Or his handwriting. It's just like... Oh. You know how in um, document softwares that write documents like yeah. Microsoft Word and such, you know how they have different fonts? They should add one. Maybe Dumbledore. there is that says Dumbledore. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That'd be so fun. Like that, that man, imagine like he spends three hours every day practicing his handwriting, <laughs> getting his 10,000 hours of... Yeah. It's calligraphy. Yeah. <laughs> No. He just crumbles letters that he like missed, like a, a curve. <laughs> that is funny. All right, all right. Get, hit me with a quiz. Yeah, I knew that you were, you were trying to push back well. this moment as much as you could, but right. here is the first pop quiz of the day. Where does Ron's brother Charlie study? I think I mentioned that. So. Romania. Okay, that was easy. He's not studying, by the way. He has finished his studies. He's working with dragons in Romania. Well, I'm sure he's learning a thing, a thing or two yeah, still. Yeah. So. He's learning in the job and <laughs> continuing to improve his skills so he can move up to upper management. <laughs> there you go. All right. That's all I have for the Christmas scenes. Do you have anything? Um, no, not, not like it's just magical. Like Christmas in Hogwarts seems like the best thing ever. And I don't think anything bad happens for Christmas. Ever. No. Well, well, yes, in one of the movies. Yeah. In books, but we'll get yeah. to that. That's far. It is too far. We'll get that. We have plenty of time. And by the way, the next of the scenes that we're going to analyze also happened during the Christmas break at Hogwarts, yep. it seems like. But as far as the pre-Christmas and Christmas scenes goes, that's what we had for the first yep. movie. Now, the next one is the scene in which Harry Potter, using the advice of Hermione Granger and the invisibility cloak sent to him by Dumbledore, even though he doesn't know it was Dumbledore, goes into the restric restricted section of the Hogwarts library to look up Nicholas Flamel. That's a version of what Google. What a nerd. Like, he has an invisibility cloak. He could do something rebellious. But he sneaks into the library. <laughs> Such a nerd thing to do. I'm sorry. So you have a problem with Harry just sneaking into the library instead of doing anything else? Yes, he could have done literally <laughs> anything else. If you find out that you're famous in the wizarding world and somebody who is also famous and bad, probably the worst, is and has been after you, and something weird is going on, you probably are pushed by that kind of a mystery to go and find things out. Sure, sure. Makes sense. I, again, I, your argument makes sense in a perfect normal world. He's still in there. This is not a perfect normal world. <laughs> right. It's perfect. It's not normal. Let me rephrase that. Now, in this scene, we do see a few things, as you know. One thing that got my attention is that Mr. Filch plays a significant part in the first and the second movie as well compared to the last six or the next six movies. Yeah. Also, he's uh, played by David Bradley, British actor. Mm -hmm. And one thing I have to say about him, not necessarily Mr. Felch as a character, is that David Bradley seems to me that he plays the same kind of character in multiple movies or series. And 
I am particularly focusing here Game on of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Or he plays Walder Frey. Yes. Yeah. It's a different character. It's more powerful, unlike Mr. Filch, which is not powerful, but he thinks he is. But yes, deep down, they have the same kind of yeah. um, mean spirit, I think. It, it bot not bothered, but like it was so weird to watch Filch as like the lord of a castle you know it's just ah oh, it didn't make sense when i was watching game of thrones like my brain was like just contradicting itself but even in that movie in i mean in game of thrones as soon as he has some power like as soon as he becomes allies with yeah. people who are currently in power he feels empowered and that's what Filch does in harry potter too like he doesn't have much power but you can see that had he you know been more skilled at magic and had more power, maybe he'd have been meaner. But you know, I don't know. I I I think it does a good job. But yeah, Harry sneaks into the library, opens a scary book. It's a very scary and loud scene. Uh, breaks his lamp, and leaves. And Filch goes after him. Right. That is correct. And I also want to emphasize that I think when you have seen this. In the past, you have told me that you always thought Voldemort was the guy that was screaming when yeah. people opened the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always, like even even now. But it's not him. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like I always thought like oh, it was just like Voldemort hiding, kind of like giving Harry a jump scare. Yeah, but yeah, that was so scary when I was little, and maybe like that was the purpose. That is the purpose, to just like give the audience a jump scare. But here we see another very important scene. Are we moving to the next one? Yeah. Go ahead and introduce well, it for us. Not the next one, but like it's a continuation where yeah, we it see is a continuation. Yeah, like Snape yep. talking to Quirrell. And he's like, hey, you got to be on my side. Like, you got to decide which side you are on. What, what do you think about this? Uh, I have a couple of things to say about this scene. First of all, you can see that Snape and Quirrell, even though they're two professors at Hogwarts, one of them teaches defense against the dark arts, the other one potions, two very important subjects. They're not, they don't see each other as equals. Basically, Snape is just you know, pushing him against the wall because you know he suspects something. But yet, you don't normally in the daily life see a teacher push another teacher against the wall and threaten him and telling him that, you know, he suspects of something like teachers don't do that. To teachers usually go to the HR department. If you have a problem yeah. <laughs> to people that are, that have an equal title in a job environment, don't do that. So to me, the fact that they have it going in the background is just odd. Now, again, we know what was happening, but if you just look at that, it doesn't seem right. Snape was trying to convince Quirrell to work together to get the stone. Like that's what's happening in the book. In the book, I'm not sure about the movie, but he's like, "Hey, I know that you have been trying to get past Fluffy. How far have you gotten with other defenses?" And like this conversation happens. Like Harry sees this, but it happens later on as well, and it happens in the Forbidden Forest. And Harry flies over with a broomstick and he's listening. This doesn't happen in the that movie. That is correct. But yes. like that is what Snape is doing. Like he's trying to like get Quirrell to work together, quote unquote, to get to the stone. It's like that that's the whole conversation there, just just to clarify. I'm glad they changed that in the movie and they didn't show Harry flying because I mean Harry's gonna fly and nobody's gonna notice. It just seems so unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad they did this. Yeah. But like, I, I wish they had shown more of Snape, you know, saying that, hey, we got to steal the stone together, you know, because like it would make him more of a red herring villain than he already was. He did a pretty good job of yeah, that. So they, they would just be overdoing it if they had done that. Yeah, that's, that's fair. When I used to watch this in the past, except for today, before the podcast recording, I always was amused because I thought it was ridiculous by the fact that when Filch tells them a student is out of bed and they just start running and I'm like, they act like it's the end of the world. A student is out of bed among the students who did not go home for Christmas. I mean, 
they're running like as if a major crime has happened. And I'm like, why do they make such a big as deal? As if a troll entered I the know, school. But or I know. Or Voldemort. Right. But as I was watching that today, then I was like, wait a minute. They were talking about the Sorcerer's Stone. And they were also talking about going past Fluffy and the other challenges. So in their mind, probably a wandering student will run into these challenges and will hurt himself or herself. That's why they were trying to make sure that the student would not go near an area that is dangerous, not just in the library, but also elsewhere, like the third floor corridor, sure, for sure. example, I think. It could be that. I agree. Do we have anything else about this scene before we move on to the next one? Yeah, let's move on. The next scene is the one in which Harry Potter discovers and gets obsessed with the mirror of Erised. I've broken this into the three sub-scenes, if you will. The one in which Harry discovers it, the one in which Harry goes and calls Ron to come down, then the one in which Ron comes down, and the fourth one with Dumbledore is separate. So let's take it and break it apart because they dedicated quite a few minutes to this, even in the movie. You know... To me, this first scene when Harry gets close to the mirror and sees his parents is probably one of the most uh, heartbreaking scenes of this movie. There are two moments that have made me cry while I've watched this movie throughout the years, and this is one of them. The second one is coming. They did it so well. First of all, you know Harry's story by now. You know that his parents tragically died. One of them was literally like protecting him from Voldemort and sacrificed her life to protect Harry. So knowing that and how he was raised and how he missed that mother and father figure in his life just makes you feel bad. But they also did it very well when they did the movie because Harry first, you know, looks very like emotional. Then he reaches for the mirror, trying to touch them. And he sees that, you know, he just can't, he's just touching the glass. And then he sees that his mother in the is mirror touching is touching his, his shoulder yeah. and, and then, then he, he reaches for the shoulder. Yeah. doesn't touch her hand, unfortunately. Yeah. But he just gives a smile knowing that, yeah, this is not real. But even a virtual reality, if you will, because this is kind yeah. of what it is, yeah. gives him some kind of uh, comfort. It's Christmas and it's, you know, the time to be spent with family. So they did... a. Very incredible job. Again, leave it to Chris Columbus to start a series in such a successful way and set the scene. Yeah, I I, I really like that as well. Um, it was yeah done. It was done very well. It, there was a change from the move from the book to the movie. In the book, like it's his mom, his dad, then like his grandparents, his cousins. It's a bunch of like people who have died. And, you know, that he has never met them. Like, it's the whole Potter family, and he's with all of them. He's happy, excited, all of that. But to to lighten the mood, there is something that I noticed today, and then I tried doing it myself, but then I couldn't, so I Googled it. Okay. Do you know what it is written above the mirror of Ferriset? I do not remember. All right, so it's not something, like, easy to remember, but... The whole thing that is written is written backwards. Oh. Yeah. And they have used weird spacing on it. So oh. like the way that they have spaced the words, they have not spaced okay. them properly. But what is written in the mirror, if you read the letters backward and you uh, space them properly, it reads, I show not your face, but your high heart's desire. Hmm. And Ari said is desire, desire backwards and you know it's a mirror so everything is backwards or mirror that's pretty cool yeah so that's awesome so the hint is in the name yeah you know the mirror of Aries and the mirror of desire that's awesome but I... yeah and like in this scene like what i really like is when harry just like is so excited to see his parents and now, like, wants to show them, like, a new toy or, like, a new, I don't know, like, something new that you get and you just want to show it to your friends. And he goes and gets Ron and he's like, hey, 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 come, come, come. You got to see this. 
and then Ron comes and he sees his desires, you know, to be great and, you know, to stand out among his brothers. That's basically the main thing. I agree. I agree 100%. Especially with the part that not only he wants to show them off or, you know, like a present or whatever, but whenever people in general, I think, in life have some really good or at least hopeful news or event to share, you know, by sharing it with your closest friends and family, it usually amplifies the joy. And yeah, that's, true. That's why he goes to Ron right away. Ron, you got to see this. And it also means that their friendship is deepening and it's becoming stronger because he didn't go to wake up somebody else. There were many other kids in the yeah. castle. I always thought, like from the first movie, I always thought that Harry's parents would come back at some point. I don't know right. why, but I always was like, hey, they, you know, it's magic. I mean, they don't let Harry be an orphan. I mean, they fixed all his other issues. You know, he's sleeping in a bed. He has friends. He has money. <laughs> Why can he not have parents? But they never fix that issue. But remember what kind of... Dumbledore tells him. No magic can bring people back from the dead. And we'll talk way more about that. Unless it's the resurrection stone. <laughs> <laughs> Even that, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk more about that. But Dumbledore and the paintings. The paintings, they're such a big loophole. I, I won't I even think they're get, a loophole. I, they are like, they're like... Let's not talk about paintings today because... Yeah, they're like I'm... a black hole of loopholes. <laughs> okay, let's just do a teaser here. I am for the paintings. I'm and, against and you're against the painting. So this is a discussion that have, is about to happen. We should have a full episode where we just discuss the painting. Have a painting debate. Yeah. Maybe like after we finish the first movie, we should have the painting discussion and why it is the worst thing. It's even worse than time turners. No. Yes, I think it's worse than time turners. I don't think so. But let's okay, that's another teaser as well. Right. That's coming, so Consider it as a small break. But yeah, let, let's move to the next scene. One thing I wanted to mention yeah. before well, we move is that this is the first time in the series that Harry says mom and dad oh. while he's looking at them because he never was around them. He never had to call them. And even though they're not real in the mirror, you know, he calls them out loud. Again, it's so another sweet. very sweet and sad scene. Also, another thing that happens for the first time in this scene is Ron's first bloody hell. <laughs> bloody hell. He looks at himself in the mirror and says, bloody hell. But he, that's his signature phrase throughout yeah. the series. He'll say it uh, many, many times. Maybe you should start to count mm-hmm. to count how many times he said that in the, in the movie. Is there anything else you have to say before we move on to the part where Dumbledore gets involved? I don't think so. We can start to the next one. All right. As we mentioned, Harry gets attached to the mirror of Erised, or as you explained, desires. And he goes there day after day, night after night. Let's remind ourselves it's still Christmas break, so he has also the flexibility. This has been noticed by Dumbledore, who one night very nicely and quietly starts talking to him. And he basically explains to Harry that that mirror, and I'm quoting, does not give us neither knowledge nor truth. I want to say something here. There is a scene that's a deleted scene that shows the effect that the mirror is having on Harry, right? Like you said it, it's very therapeutic, but Harry is kind of getting attached to this mirror. Yeah. Uh, there's a deleted scene that shows Harry just sitting by the fireplace in the great hall and like everyone is talking and laughing and he's just sitting there looking at the fire and then Ron just like splits from the group I think it's his brothers and comes and tells Harry like oh do you want to play chess he's like no do you want to do this and he's like no and he tells him are you thinking of going back to the mirror again you shouldn't do it and then that's the night that he gets caught Mm -hmm. by Dumbledore Mm -hmm. Yeah, I vaguely remember. I know I've seen the deleted scenes a few times, but not recently. Also, let's mention that this is the first time in the series 
that we have a dialogue between Harry Potter and Albus Dumbledore. Does Dumbledore mention his socks in the movie? I don't not think in the so. Movie, yeah. no. no, not in the movie. But you may, you may want to explain to people in the audience who have not read the book, what do you mean by that? Well, Harry, at the end, Harry asks Dumbledore, what do you see in the mirror when you look at it yourself? And he tells, oh, I just see myself getting a pair of socks for Christmas because for some reason, people keep sending me books for Christmas. They just want socks. Do you believe him? I do because I want socks as well. <laughs> I don't have enough socks. I'm running out of socks. Everyone needs a new, not new, but a fresh pair of socks. Every like on the hour, like if I was if I was a wizard, I just like squish, just change my just socks. Made my life easier. I know what to get you for every single holiday now. Yeah, just get just your socks. Get new socks, good socks. Though. One of those that like keep your keep your foot snug. <laughs> the reason why I asked you, do you believe him when he says that? When Dumbledore says that is because in the Fantastic Beast movies specifically in the second one we see a younger version of Dumbledore seeing something else but yet I do believe let's not spoil it yet I do believe that right now years later he indeed yeah. sees himself getting socks you know he's couldn't they come up with like new cooler things or not cooler but as cool things in the Fantastic Beasts but they were like oh I guess we have a McGonagall we we gotta bring her back uh, we have a mirror of fairy said uh, where are we going to push this cool thing in? Like, instead of creating. I'm glad they brought it back, not just because it was referenced in the first Harry Potter movie, but it's a nice way to introduce uh, the dynamics between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Sure. Anyway, sure. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about Fantastic Beasts movies when we get there. For right, now, let's right. just know that Dumbledore, when he looks into the mirror, he says he sees himself. Yeah. Receiving socks for Christmas. He also tells Harry that he's going to move the mirror somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And knowing where the mirror goes to protect the stone. I wonder, like, where was the stone before? I had the same question, and I'm guessing Dumbledore just had it with him. I mean, we know that Voldemort cannot steal it from him, period. So Dumbledore had the stone with him, but he had created all these challenges. I don't think but... they were all created in a day, though. You, you have to... Yeah, but he had not interesting. I think he did it, uh, you know, one step at a time. And then he did the final piece. And then he put it, you know, in the mirror somehow and all that. Um, because Dumbledore's intention, I think, was to take some time until this defense system was built in Hogwarts and hide it and then potentially leave it there forever. He did not expect that, you know, somebody would be going and, you know, getting close to the stone. Oh, scarier. I think I think he knew that. I think he just wanted to test Harry. Oh, the conspiracy. We should have a conspiracy theory <laughs> segment. Yeah, after we fight about the portraits. <laughs> All right. One last thing I want to mention about this scene is a very memorable line from Dumbledore. Let's just give it to him. Dumbledore has the best lines both in the book and in the movie. And the line is, "It does not do to dwell in dreams." And forget to live. That's why they're moving the mirror somewhere else. Sounds like a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, kind of does. Anything else about this scene before we move on to the next one? <laughs> no. All right, let's move on to the next scene. The next scene is a fairly, fairly short one, but a very good one for a movie. It's the transition scene, I'd like to call it, when a few months pass it's oh, from christmas so probably all the way to april or may or march but anyway it's at least three months later and it's a transition between winter and spring and there is a memorable moment there where Hag harry and hedwig are together hedwig is resting on harry's arm and then she flies away there's a lot of posters that are done from that uh, particular scene and actually sometimes it is used as a cover in a lot of streaming services for the first movie yep also the hedwig theme song as well mm -hmm. probably like the most memorable theme ever in any movie <laughs> out of anything <laughs> this short scene ends with a view of hogwarts in spring we see the 
castle, the colors come back, the green colors. And I may, I think we will also see a little bit of the Quidditch pitch in the far back. But what came to my mind as I was watching this scene is that unlike in the books, in the movie, we usually see one, maybe one and a half sometimes um, Quidditch scene per movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the book, there is, I think, a Quidditch season that kind of is split between fall and spring. Yeah. It's Quidditch played throughout the year, basically, not just at the beginning of the school year. Yep. But we don't see any more Quidditch. We do yeah, see yeah. some flying still in this yeah, uh, true, movie, true, just a little do. bit, but no more Quidditch. So yep. Then in the next scene, a lot of things move forward again, thanks to Hermione's light, and I quote, light reading. We found out who Nicholas Flamel is, and our trio realizes that Nicholas Flamel is the guy that created the Sorcerer's Stone. That's what Fluffy is hiding, and that's what Snape allegedly is after. I have a quiz for you oh, in this boy. section. And this is not something that I knew, but I kept it as a note today. Please just to quiz you. Go ahead. Don't read your notes, don't cheat. I'm going backwards in my notes to see if I missed any pop quizzes. Okay, okay. <laughs> Tell me. Uh, how old is Nicholas Flamel? That's not fair because that was going to be my pop quiz to you. 665 as of this movie. 656. I swear it's 665. Yeah, one of, one of those. Do you but... know how? Because I do not remember if it was 665 or 655 as I was taking notes quickly. I think it's so I Googled it. Okay. I Googled the line from the movie and it's 665. All right. Well, uh, that was a trick question. Uh-oh. Okay. Because they are reading a book and the book looks really old. That is very true. So it was a trick question. He's not 665. But I don't know how old he is <laughs> either. But that I was expecting that answer. Yeah. How but, do they write in a book that last year he celebrated his 665th birthday? Mean, Unless the book is magical and it's like I updates. mean, they can they can write that. You Just know, like Wikipedia like, updates, you know, certain things like, automatically. You like programmatically. If you if you write a biography about someone who's still alive, you can say like, oh, last year they did this, or like in you know, this year they did this notable thing. So I'm I'm fine with that. But either way, I, I thought I'd get you with this, but I couldn't. Because <laughs> I took notes. Good, good for you. <laughs> so take notes, kids. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, after this scene, it's fairly short. There are a few differences from this in the book, but those are those are negligible. Uh, but yeah, after this, they go straight to Hagrid. Oh, before we go to Hagrid, quick. Oh, tell me. One memorable line, kind of. I don't have the exact quote from the movie, but when Hermione finishes reading that paragraph from the book, saying that, uh, you know, you become immortal if we, you drink the elixir of life, which is done from the Sorcerer's Stone, Ron says, immortal, because he's surprised you know, that it's, it's yeah. possible. And then, what does it mean or whatever? And Hermione's like, it means you never die. <laughs> yeah. and he's like, I know what it means. Yeah. And Harry's like, shush you too. Yeah, Let's yeah. focus here. It's one of those small gems yes, that I like. It, I, I like that. I like that exchange. Like yeah. now that you mentioned it, it, it's really awesome. But let's move on. Take it away to the scene in Hagrid's hot. Every time there is some spilling of beans, some secrecy or things that were supposed to not be known by students either before or after somehow it all comes down to Hagrid or Neville yeah <laughs> and Hagrid gets involved again take it away uh yeah like in this scene uh I like that they included the dragon <clears throat> I like that they included the dragon and uh them going there I, I they didn't include the invisibility cloak no which I think they use uh, but I like how they're like, hey, we know about Nicholas Flamel. And the door just opens and then they continue to talk about, you know, the Sorcerer's Stone and everything else. What happens after Hagrid opens the door? He says, I'm busy. So. And he closes the door. Yeah. What I noticed today is that as they are closing the door, well, Hagrid, as Hagrid is closing the door, 
they in unison say, we know about the Sorcerer's Stone, but the door is closing so fast that when they say the Sorcerer's Stone, you just see the door closing on their faces anymore. And I think that was intentional because as you know, in the UK and in India, this movie was released under the name Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So I think every time the word Sorcerer's Stone was mentioned, they had to basically do different takes. Oh, I see. In order to avoid, you know, doing that yeah scene they just again. got away from they just got away and yeah. they just recorded in the background yeah i think that's that's a good i catch. don't have proof against it i love that for it all right do you think that hagrid's house is cozy i think it's super cozy i think so too like it's it's kind of like somewhere that you'd go you know maybe like in the mountains and like he has a bunch of stuff and like they they shame hagrid's cookies being like rocks in the book but i'd like to try them it's such a cozy place i love it you know do you think that the cgi is better in the scene when yeah the cgi the with the dragon is so much better like it's it is better and it's because it's dark i think as well you know it hides some issues i did a little bit of research and i found out that why the cgi when it comes to the flying scenes in particular the quidditch scenes that yeah. we talked about in the last episode yeah, yeah. is bad they filmed the flying scenes almost towards the end. They don't film the scene. The scenes oh, the so the budget was low. No, they didn't have time. You know, they I had see. to release by a certain time in 2001. That scenes were filmed relatively late. They didn't have much time. That's so they a didn't. bummer. What they did in the upcoming movies, they, they filmed, filmed the Quidditch the scenes beginning. at first. Yeah. And then while the graphics team and whatnot yeah. were doing the editing, they filmed the rest of the scenes, which require, require less CGI yeah. or less intensive CGI. So who knows, maybe this scene with the dragon was filmed a little bit sooner and they had time to take care of those fine details. Yeah, but this one was really good with Norbert. And here's another pop quiz. What what race of dragon is Norbert? It's like you're taking my questions. That was supposed to be my question to you, but I took notes. It's a Norwegian. Rich back. All right. I'm going to stop trying to make quizzes for you so you can make quizzes for me and we can make those things exciting. You know what we should do when it comes to quizzes? Maybe we should do this in season two after we start analyzing the second movie. We should keep track of our scores. Yeah. Yeah. We should come up with a fixed number of quiz questions. All right. All right. And then see where we are. Or at. maybe we're like we can do a quiz like after every after every movie we do like a short quiz and then like a theory or plot we, discussion. You know, so many like spoilers a, today. Even like with a portrait. <laughs> Let's just say that for the seventh episode of season one or seventh episode of the first movie we're analyzing, we're gonna analyze less than twenty minutes because this is how many minutes are left. So we're going to use the rest of the time in the episode to do some fun segments, which are only on episode seven of each season. But anyway, here's another small break, I guess. Before we move away from the scene, let's just mention a couple memorable lines, which are, I shouldn't have told you that, typical Hagrid. And I know what that is, typical Ron, when he <laughs> identified the dragon. Also, let's not forget that the scene closes with Malfoy being caught uh, whatever spying. was going on, spying yeah. or whatever is going on in Hagrid's hut. Yeah, and like uh, the the dragon Norbert, he becomes big in the book. In the book, like he becomes very big, and it's not Dumbledore who sends him away. Oh, I know. What's to Romania. Sure, let's cover it now. Yeah. So, like in in the next like few scenes, we see that like oh, Dumbledore sent him away, but it's actually like Ron and Hermione that sent him away and that is when Malfoy catches them and that's when Malfoy gets detention correct for catching them and not like here in this case so like that whole part is kind of removed that's why I mentioned it here and you bring up two good points number one in the movie it seems like right after they get detention they go on the same night yeah to to do the the detention but that's not the case even though it seems like it. Had they followed the same plot you just described from the book, it probably makes sense because it happened a little bit Also, later. here's here's one issue that I have. I with, know what uh, you're going to mention. You're going to dem- mention the way that they came to get the dragon. No, 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 oh, okay. no. I'll bring the, it up later then. I, I, have, I have another problem. 
Um, and this is with both the book, the movie, J.K. Rowling, Dumbledore, McGonagall. Oh, boy, this is big. Okay, keep going. The only person who is clear of this is Voldemort. Okay. <laughs> but here's, here's the logic that they use. Because you were caught out of bed on whatever day, we will send you at night when every student is asleep in the Forbidden Forest, which is not allowed, which as a student you're not allowed to go into in the middle of the night to find a monster. So your detention for what you did is you doing something even worse than what you got detention for. That's what I have a problem with. I don't know what you're talking about. It makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> Here's why. Tell me. By doing this, they get two birds with one stone. Well, one bird, you know what it is, trying to you know, help Hagrid, even though I feel like we should talk about that later, but that's that. Second, they're trying to teach the students how dangerous it is to walk outside of the castle unaccompanied by putting them in mortal danger. Well, they were with Hagrid. And then they split. Sometimes. They were like, oh, okay, like it's the middle of the night. We're tracking down something that can kill a unicorn who are extremely hard to catch, but I'm going to leave you on your own. But hey, I'm going to give you Fang, who, by the way, is very not brave. <laughs> yeah, you have a point. But either either way. Now, let's roll back to where we were supposed to be. We were supposed to be in the scene in which Malfoy uh, goes and tells Professor McGonagall that our favorite trio is out of bed. Uh, it's it's done while well. they all get 50 points. I, I think it's just a setup scene. Neville was in this scene as well. Uh, in the book? In the book, yeah. I don't remember that. Okay. But that, that, yeah, like it helps build his character and like his motivations for later on for trying to stop the trio from leaving. Um, but yeah, I don't have much to say. Just great performance, I think, from the actor who plays McGonagall. And McGonagall, the character, is fair. Yeah. She, you know, takes points from Gryffindor, 50 points each, which is a lot, but she also sends Malfoy to detention as well, which I don't know if Snape would have done. Of course he would have taken not. 50 points of Gryffindor. But he would have not sent Draco yeah, to detention. So. In the pre-detention scene in which Filch is taking the students over to Hagrid, see? They're not sending the students alone at night. They're always accompanied by an adult. Until they get in the forest. By an adult who cannot perform magic. Still, by an adult. (laughs) Um, Hagrid says something when Filch says, you know, don't worry about the dragon, move on. And he says, what if the other dragons are mean to him? Oh, that is is so cute. So Hagrid. It's like he's talking about a puppy. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) And we already covered that in the book. The dragon is taken away yeah. by Charlie. I don't know if you remember that, but Ron's brother comes to uh, with some friends, or maybe he sends some friends. He I don't sends know if, some friends yeah, I don't to think the astronomy tower. To the astronomy tower, and then the friends come and take the dragon, and they go, this is a plot hole, which is introduced later on. Right now it makes sense in the book, but... I'm glad it didn't include it in the movie, of course, but in the book, it doesn't make sense for people that are unauthorized yeah, to, to just, just show enter. up and yeah. enter the Hogwarts property and maybe show things were dollar. looser before the third movie, mm-hmm. third book. I doubt it. But yeah, like it, like there has to be some protection. People cannot just fly in there. Should we move on to the final scene, the detention? Yeah, let's do it. Again, this scene also gives me a Home Alone 2 vibe. When they're walking into the forest, there is a part where they're looking at a group of people from behind the branches of some trees. And the color is just like in Home Alone 2. The music is similar to the Home Alone 2 movie. Again, getting into that mystery, but you have you know, a group of people who are trying to get into the unknown. Yeah. It makes you keep watching. Yeah. 
that's all I have to say about that. Also, in this scene, Harry and Draco missed an opportunity to become friends. True. I think because when Hagrid says, you know, let's split up and look for the poor unicorn that has been injured, and Harry is assigned to be on the same team as Draco, usually it's experiences like this that can end can make people to become friends. Kind of like what happened with Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Yeah. Hermione became friends with Ron and Harry when they were basically defeating together yeah, a mountain troll. Had, yeah, like when they passed a couple of experiences yes. together. So you'd think that the same thing would happen with Draco, but again, it just doesn't click. Draco starts talking about, wait till my father finds out about yeah. this. And then Harry says, are you scared? And Draco says, mm-mm. And then as soon as he sees a cloaked figure, he just runs and screams. All right, so here is <laughs> here is my take on this on this particular scene when Draco runs. I think he does the sensible thing. It's a fight or flight response, right? But Harry just freezes. And this is something that I don't like in the movie. Because in the book, the way that it's explained is that Harry's scar is hurting so much. So does in the movie. In the book, it says that it is hurting so much that he cannot stand. Like it, it, it is holding it while while here in the in the movie, he just kind of like touches his forehead. And that's it, you know, and then like just drops and then like he's just barely moving backwards. Like here is like one of his best, best values is his will to survive. And we see that throughout the books, always like he's fighting a basilisk. He's fighting hundreds of Dementors, Dementors. He is fighting Voldemort with like 17 Death Eaters around him. You know, like his instinct of survival is really strong. And here in the first scene, you know, I'd have preferred if they showed him like with a scar hurting and everything. Makes sense. But yeah, that's my take. What I think is stupid about Voldemort in this scene is that he goes after Harry. He does not learn his lesson, not in the first movie, nor in the last one. Because as we know, we will learn later in the series, he cannot touch Harry. If you have this person that basically became the cause of your demise, go into that library, into that restricted section, and just study what happened 11 years ago or 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, he is pretty arrogant. But on he the is. other hand, like when you see like a little squirt who's just like, you know, and then you're like, I can crush him. I'm the greatest of all time. And that's his biggest weakness. Yeah, that, that is that is true. But then Florenzi comes, the centaur, and he saves Harry. Yes, he does. And what I want to say about Florence is that he does play a significant part in different parts of the series in the books. He comes up in at least a couple more yeah. books that I can think of yeah. at the moment. It's, again, one of those things that... They don't do again in the movie. Maybe but this it's for the is, best, maybe not. Yeah. But I wish he would have come back still because he's a good guy. Yeah. And like, this is a pretty, pretty good act. You know, he saves Harry's life. He goes against the stars and what the stars have told the centaurs. Saves his life and also hints at the Philosopher's Stone. How do the centaurs you know mean about... You mean the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, whatever. How do the centaurs know about the stone? I think I know how... Uh, the centaurs, if you remember, are very good at reading yeah. stars and seeing the future. One of them in one of the books ends up teaching divination. It's it's this Florence, guy. It's yes. Florence, yeah. Um, so maybe that's that's how they describe the dynamics a little bit about between the, the centaurs wizard. and the wizards. Yeah. They do not always see eye to eye. And Florence is the guy that basically is a bridge between the two worlds. He gets estranged by yeah. the centaurs for being so um, accepting of wizards and you know wishing to or agreeing to, to teach at Hogwarts yep. later on in the upcoming years. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about this scene? No, that's that's it. It's pretty pretty exciting, pretty scary. But yeah, that's it. Well. If that's the case, that wraps up the movie analysis portion of this episode. And guess what? We do not have any new spells in this episode. But 
in the rest of the movie, if I'm not mistaken, we have at least two more spells. All right. When we first started doing this, I thought there were going to be maybe two spells, but we have found out quite a bit, yeah, yeah, except yeah. for this episode. Do you we... know what your favorite one is so far? Uh, something, something. Okay, that does not... <laughs> turn this water into rum. That is my favorite. <laughs> if you're going to keep saying something, something, you don't remember. I will, I will, re- I promise you, I will remember it by next episode. <laughs> okay. Mine is Wingardium Leviosa, and it works. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's all we have for episode five. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, leave us a like, subscribe, all the thing is comment for the algorithm all of it.